and welcome to Literary Merit, the show where we tell you what media has value. Spoiler alert, it's all of it. Also, spoiler alert, we'll be discussing spoilers as usual, so here's your warning. I'm Ashley. And I'm Alex. And we have moved into a new home. We have returned to the recording media. Yes, we took a bit of a hiatus because moving is hard. And then your job got busy. And it was just a rough time, but I'm on vacation, but... But we need both of us. <laughs> yeah, it, it was like it was so funny. I, we didn't even necessarily plan on the hiatus, but it was just like, well, we didn't record an episode this week. Well, we did like a, a like like a little one where we were like, hey, it's a short one because we yeah. got a lot going on, and then it was just like, nope, <laughs> no, no, we can't. That's okay because we're back now. We're back. We're back, and we're we're getting hygge, and it's it's feeling like it's time. Boy, it's been real awful around here, huh? Yes, we live on the west coast of America, the United States of America. And and boy, it's been hard to breathe. It's been on fire and smoky, and yeah. But it got got better now. It got better now. It's never going to happen again. Of course not. (laughs) Anyway, it's better now, and and that means we can breathe, and it's a little bit chilly outside still, and that's nice. And And we we can go outside. We can go outside. We can see the sun. We can see the sun. We can hear some birds. That's what was weird. I didn't realize the birds weren't making sounds until it cleared. And then it's just like birds are going crazy. Yeah, it must have been bad to be I think a bird. They must have just been like hiding. Hiding. I don't know what they because do. Because they were the the day that it rained, and it was still a little bit smoky, but like mostly clear. They were ravenous. They were like tons oh. of them on our street, just like getting in the seeds and the little worms. The poor little guys. I know. That's so sad. But anyway, we're getting hygge because it's time to get hygge. Mm-hmm. It's it's nearly October. We've already got our house a little bit spookied up. My brand new house. We got a lot of pumpkins around. We mm-hmm. got a little raccoon. Raccoon holding a pumpkin with a witch hat. Yeah, we got our and and we got some new candles. New candles for our new house. I got this great one. We love our Target candles. Mm-hmm. And this one's this one's cinnamon pumpkin muffin, and it's very tasty smelling. Mm-hmm. And we got our tea. We got tea. We got tea, and it's great. And we're ready. To do this, we're ready to have a podcast. I don't know if I'm ready. <laughs> well, we'll just see what happens. But you've got a five-minute master's for me. I might. You might. Oh, well, when I came down this morning, you were like, I already have my five-minute master's. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I'm going to tell you about the California grizzly bat. <gasps> More cryptids. More cryptids. <laughs> First sighted on April, in April of 1968. Okay. Alfred Coons was driving his pickup outside of Chula Vista, California. Mm-hmm. On his way home, he heard a thud and his tire rattles if he hit something. And he went to see what it was. And it was like a rabbit, but it wasn't like somebody had just hit it. Mm-hmm. It was like more torn up than that. Like maimed? Yeah. And then he heard, like, a loud noise. It was, like, a a roaring, but not just, like, a roar. Like, sort of, like, a screech, too. Okay. And then, like, beating of wings. Mm-hmm. And then he ran off because that's terrifying. <laughs> yes. As, as you do. But he didn't see anything. Uh-huh. But then later that year, 
in August. Jeremy Sutton heard the same sounds when he was visiting his aunt in Ramona, California, mm-hmm. which is pretty close. Um, and he did get a look at the creature and described it as a bear with giant bat-like wings. <laughs> and then in 1972, a couple years later, uh-huh. on the other side of the U.S.-Mexican border, uh-huh. in Tecate, there was a rumor about a monstrous wolf bat or... Murcielago Lobo eating livestock. Okay. That's pretty freaky. Is that the whole thing? That's the whole thing. All right. It's a great story. It's a great tale. Very spooky in Halloween times. I made it up. You made it up? What? I made it up. What? Yeah. What a I wrote what that a this morning. what a jokester you are! <laughs> That's why I was like, maybe I have one. <laughs> you jokester. Was it pretty good? It was pretty good. I believed that it was a real. I I cryptid. had I liked the dates that I came up with and the the people. You that I made you know up. How, what really sold it? Not being able to pronounce that word. <laughs> <laughs> it was just bat wolf in Spanish. Right, right. Bat is hard. Bat is so easy in English and in Spanish. It's so hard. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Anglo-Saxon. It's a very brutish language. Mm-hmm. Not not Just too. Barge through the door. Bat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now tell us a. I'll probably tell you true a real one. one now. I'll tell you a real <laughs> one. You can look it up and everything. Um, I want to tell you about Hilma of Klint, and she was a Swedish artist. Um, she lived from 1862 to 1944. Um, she was also a mystic. And her paintings, as far as the current art community are concerned, were the first Western abstract art. So wow. suck it, males. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm very pro that message. Yeah. Uh, well, because, you know, Kandinsky is like a big one as far mm-hmm. as early abstract art goes. But her a significant portion of her work predates his. Mm-hmm. So sorry, dude. Um, but the really interesting thing about her is that she belonged to a group called the Five. Um, this was a circle of women who shared her belief in the importance of trying to make contact with what they called the High Masters, often by way of seances. Yep, seances were a big thing. Yes, around that time. Um, and her paintings, her abstract paintings, were sort of her like a visual representation of these Mm -hmm. spiritual ideas these women were working with um she was a theosophist i've tried to sort of wrap my head around what theosophy is it sort of sounds just like all of it just like all of it kind of is i mean it's just one of those wacky ass (laughs) made up spiritualisms of the 1800s <laughs> you know when things were getting real wild and well just... yeah we watched uh radioactive and they ha- they were like hey this radioactive substance is a gateway to the life after death <laughs> yeah yeah so theosophy um it, it's like a pantheistic pseudo religious system it, they maintain it's not a religion but it's sort of a spiritual belief system. Mm-hmm. Um, it draws a lot from like um, Neoplatonism and like Hinduism and Buddhism. 
it's just this real wild uh their their logo <laughs> <laughs> it's got a lot of different uh like ancient symbols and stuff on it um one of them being the swastika but this was well it before was, yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. hitler yep, so it was it was not of peace. yeah it was not nazi at that time um but it's like a snake eating its own t- it's like an araboros and a star of david and like a an ankh and a so they just took them all an om and <laughs> they just took them a swastika all. and it says there is no religion higher than truth so it was just this real wacky and wild spiritual belief that these late 1800s folks were into. Mm-hmm. But Sounds a little Illuminati-ish. Maybe. A bit. But it wasn't like s- secretive in that way. Yeah, it, was um, just... it was just this weird like spiritual system. Um, and that's what, that's what Hilma was into. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she actually got into this um, around the time when her younger sister passed away in 1880. Um, and so she just like dove into this like spiritualism thing um, and started making these really cool paintings that I like legitimately love mm-hmm. um, and want prints of. Uh, let me find you some really good ones. Like, look at this shit. This is so cool. Whoa. It's like a spectrum. Yeah, it's like a spectrum pyramid with like this sun. Pink wishes they could. I know. Isn't it cool? And, like, here's another one with an inverted pyramid. Ooh. It's like it's like a black inverted pyramid with these swirlies on it. I really want to, like, as a method of self-hatred, want to, like, look up what men have said in order to say that these aren't abstract art. Right. Well, I, I think that ultimately she was just kind of ignored. I know, but, like, you know. It, someone who made Revisionist be, sort yeah. of where they're like. No, it was a man who did it, so hers are not technically abstract. You know, that yeah. sort of bullshit. Yeah. That one is very That's cool. That's very cool. Yeah, like, I would legitimately hang this stuff on my wall. Mm-hmm. Like, I really like it a lot. Like, I just, I found her because I just saw some of the paintings, and I was like, that shit's really cool. Who painted this? And then I looked her up, and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it's really neato stuff. And I'm probably going to get some Hilma off Clint prints, because they're just cool as heck that one looks like a record yeah it's really really neat so that's hilma thanks hilma yeah thanks for your contribution to the artistic world even if people don't well, at least now she's recognized and spiritual yeah <laughs> it's pretty cool man the late 1800s were just wet and wild about the spiritualism i mean right now though too with other sort of bullshit <laughs> sure there's a lot of bullshit let's not get into it because we'll just get upset we'll just get mad um because we're gonna talk about something very good and cool so it turns out we have great timing because cora is recently available on mm-hmm. netflix on netflix and we just finished watching it yes um we started watching it like almost a year ago maybe not that long no but a while months ago at least like january probably yeah something like that i don't know you know listeners might know because we talked about it on the podcast when we started the series but i don't know when that was yeah check back and tell us yeah do our homework that doesn't matter (laughs) uh yeah we finished legend of korra finally i mean you'd seen it already but this is my first time watching through Mm -hmm. it and it was great you know i know that people on average tend to like it less than avatar the last airbender Mm mm-hmm 
And I can see why. I think they have their different strengths, and I think I like them both a lot for different reasons. Yeah, I think, you know, we rewatched both. Mm-hmm. Not back-to-back, but recent enough, close enough together. Mm-hmm, that I can compare them. Yeah, I feel like uh, Aang's story has um, better finales. Mm-hmm. But Korra's is a little more consistent episode episode in my opinion yeah i think that that's fair because there are some weak ang episodes yeah in in last airbender there are some just more episodes too well maybe not i don't know but um i don't know how many episodes there are of each we watched them it's over such a spread out time span that it's hard to compare but yeah i feel like there were maybe more filler episodes yeah and i love every episode of avatar the last airbender but there are some that are just like this didn't really go anywhere it maybe gave us a little bit more character depth yeah which I would say in some cases, um, Legend of Korra could have used. Yes. Um, because there are, I, I think there are just more characters that are spent time on. Mm-hmm. Like in uh, Aang's story, we have the main group that mm-hmm. we mostly get. The gang. And then in Korra, we have the gang that keeps getting bigger with all the people she meets. Right. Her gang just expands and expands. And then we have some people that aren't really in the gang who kind of like... Yeah, like family own. members or historical figures outside of her, you know, friend group. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a pretty big cast. Um, and, I yeah, I feel like at times they just aren't as fleshed out. Yeah. I would say Mako doesn't get as much time as would be nice, but also... He's like the least favorite character. I, but yeah, that's I, maybe because he doesn't get enough. Maybe. Maybe he would have um, been more liked. He he might have been more liked by me if, yeah. if he had if he'd been given a little more time to grow. Uh, but I also understand why they decided to give him a backseat role. Because yeah. of It's not about him. It's not about him. And also he just he just was such a messy boy in the beginning that it's just like, can we just sit down, Mako, you messy, messy boy. <laughs> so you for little cop who has who hasn't uh, ventured into Korra. Do it. Do now. it now. A. Um B, it's eighty years after the original show. Close to a hundred. Close to a hundred. Um so it's a very it's a it's a different decade. Or a yeah, it's a century. different totally it's, different time period. Yeah. So we're it in It feels like the more 20s. like the twenties. Yeah. There's cars and the Satomobiles. Satomobiles. <laughs> I gotta say, some of these things are so cheesy. It's just silly as hell. They have radio. They have radio, they have cars, they have electricity. Yeah. Stuff. So and it like, you know, I know that some people were like, How did they go this far? But like if you think that this is too far of a technological leap overall, you don't know your history very well. Yeah. Like, go back 80 years from the 1920s and it's going to be a totally different world. That said, we do bring some giant mechs into this and but that's it, where it but, goes really crazy. But it's also, like, in this hub of innovation. And also, it's a world where people have magical elemental powers. Yeah. And so, that's going to change the spread of technology a little bit. Yeah, so we're in Republic City mainly. Uh-huh. And this is a city that Aang helped found. Mm-hmm. And it's more, it's like the sort of beacon of democracy. Democracy in this new and world. innovation and technology. So it's really, really where all the vehicles and mm-hmm. stuff it's are. It's New York. Whereas if you go out to the country, the Earth Kingdom, it's just people living in... In huts and stuff, like you saw. Towns and, yeah. So it's not like the whole world's completely changed. Yeah. It's, yeah. We're it's... in a city. 
the the technological you know the industrial revolution has begun yeah but you know you go to rural areas and it's largely unchanged and it makes perfect sense you know when compared to our real life history and also when you take bending into account especially bending that is sort of happens in the original series so one you know more people learn about lightning bending and which is electricity so you can power things you can power things with lightning bending you can shape metal now that Toph yeah. has invented Toph metal invents bending. metal bending and then invents the police <laughs> i don't think she invents the police, not her best she's... work <laughs> <laughs> i think that was probably you know part of the whole mm-hmm. de- democracy thing is they decided to do a police thing um but she in- invented metal bending and taught it to people so you can build things out of metal now. Yeah, it would be a lot easier to to make huge technological leaps if you could just like whomp whomp. Yeah. So haters can shut up. <laughs> uh, and uh, and a thing that I do um I was talking to my brother about it last night cuz he has just started watching The Last Airbender. Mm-hmm. And I told him I had just finished watching Korra and he was like, "Oh, um, you know, what do you think of it? How, you know, how do you feel about the two series? Um, and I, I do think it's very interesting that because this is an older cast of characters, we can get into some darker, more mature themes oh, yeah. mm-hmm. that, you know, Aang and the kids just weren't really right to explore. So Aang gets, I would say that like in the, the four part finale of The Last Airbender, Aang starts dealing with the stuff that Korra starts off dealing with. Right. It's like he's this little kid who's starting to face, like, the idea of... Tyranny. Know, tyranny and, like, yeah, the, the, these, these you know, the death and, like, the, the morality of taking life. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's big enough. That's big enough for Aang because he's a little boy. Mm-hmm. But Korra is moving into adulthood. Mm-hmm. And so she's got to deal with much more complex issues. Um, and so it is interesting that over the course of The Last Airbender, we basically have, like, the bad guy. And it's, like, the same bad guy the whole time. You've got... Um, Extensions of him. Right. And, you know, you've got Azula kind of acting as a proxy and whatever. But it's the Fire Lord. The Fire Lord. Whereas every season, Korra has to grapple with a new, very complicated villain. Who you can be like, well, they have a point. Right. And that's- Except for maybe Unalak. Yeah, nobody likes him a lot. <laughs> uh, I'm the evil avatar. Okay, Unalak. I don't see how you, you got here and thought this was a good idea. Right. But go off. Uh, but largely, they're all really interesting people who are doing the what they think is the best that they can. Yeah, they have an idea that might be beneficial for society but they take it too far yes and i will say i mean and this is again it's still a children's series Mm -hmm. i will say that 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 does get a little trite when it's like well better throw out the whole ideology you know it's like Mm -hmm. no just because that psycho ruined it like don't well and i think by the end cora understands oh i can learn something from all these people yeah and and she especially with um uh, Zaheer. Yeah. Essentially, it was Zaheer. I wish there was more time for that because yeah. that's a really interesting moment. Um, and, and I think that there was a lot to be mined from that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it does feel like that end was a little rushed. And understandably so, they were. 
they were, you know, they were just fighting tooth and nail to keep the show in production. Yeah. Um, because it, it, they weren't even fighting to keep it on the air anymore because they took it off the air. Right. And they put it onto Nickelodeon.com for streaming. Yeah. Which is just like rude. Super rude. Um, but yeah, I feel like there were certain ideas they were trying to get to in like a couple of episodes that it was just like they I just s- don't make it they just don't quite make it like with this whole zahir thing of like she goes to zahir and she learns from him and she's able to grow as a person by you know accepting what's happened to her and even you know taking in some of the ideas of these people that she has disagreed with mm-hmm. but it's just it's given so little screen time and you know right at the end they're trying to be like in Asami, but <laughs> but there's like really nothing there. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I un I understand that that was the intention, but on screen they just didn't really get to do anything. Yeah, you know, and it the last Airbender has a similar issue where they're like they have the little tease about Zuko and his mom at the mm-hmm. end of the show, and right. people are like, but but what? Yeah, and it's you like know, sorry, it's like, nope, <laughs> nope, nope, can't do it. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of, uh, it is so fun to watch Legend of Korra and see the sort of echoes of the characters from The Last Airbender, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in their, in the later generations, in their... So, right from the start, Katara's still alive, and she's still sort of at the South Pole, helping Korra in little ways. She's mainly just a healer, because she's an old lady, she's not gonna go kick butt. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's... She's super, Ancient. super fucking old. She's like 100 years old. Uh, and, but Toph shows up and she fucking rules still. Mm-hmm. And Zuko shows Zuko up shows briefly. Up. He's so cool. He's so cool. But then we get to see their, you know, the next generation and even the third generation, uh, you know, the, the, and the way that they have sort of taken on the traits and you know changed and grown with the times yeah. as well um mm-hmm. and it's just great i love ang's grandchildren and there's lots of namesakes yes yes we've got we've got general iroh mm-hmm. uh, zuko's grandson <laughs> yes it's pretty cool um and he's voiced by uh dante bosco mm-hmm. which is wonderful mm-hmm. and also kind of weird looks exactly like him he looks too. exactly like him and he Both sounds exactly and it's like Man, Dante Bosco, or Dante Bosco, uh, yeah, Dante Bosco's voice is so distinct mm-hmm. that it's very weird to have a different character sound like him. Yeah, and luckily and they use him sparingly. They do. I honestly, like, I kind of wish he'd been around more, but he, just, he didn't need to be. Yeah. Uh, too many characters already. Too many characters because, okay, so we've got Kara, and then we've got her first friends. What she ever makes. <laughs> Mako and... Bolin. Bolin, and Bolin is... The sweetest boy. He's pure, pure himbo energy. He's perfect in every way. Even if he does accidentally become a fascist for a little bit. Just for a little He's bit. He's just too dumb. He accidentally becomes a lot of things for just a little bit. It's he accidentally true. becomes a movie star yes. for just a little bit. He accidentally becomes sexist a couple times for just a little bit. Uh-huh. The only thing he ever did on purpose was be a pro bender. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> He did a lot of things, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I love when uh, Mako's telling his story to Prince Wu, and Prince Wu is like, "What? You did all those things? Yeah, Mako did a lot of things." Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Mako's a um, Mako. He's the boy. He's such a boy. Ugh. He's the one that Cora's immediately in love with, 
but she I mean looking back it's just because he's handsome handsome yeah that's it he's handsome and talented yeah that's it mm-hmm. he's an asshole and they have nothing in common except for a bad temper <laughs> so they're a really bad couple yep and she's just too gay uh <laughs> And then we've got Asami who kind of shows up next and she's the coolest girl in the world. She's a genius scientist, inventor. Supermodel. Rich. <laughs> <laughs> she's perfect. She's so cool. Uh, and she and Cora deserve each other. It's really funny. I'm remembering how she's introduced. Um, Mako like runs into her. Well, she hits him with oh, her Oh, that's car. right. Oh, it's so funny. And yeah. then they're just like, she does her hair whip and, and then and he falls like, in love. Um, 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 um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny because you can't look at Asami and not fall in love with her. Mm-hmm, She's mm-hmm. the coolest girl in the entire world. Um, we've got, of course, Tenzin, who is Korra's sort of mentor. And Aang's son, his only airbending son. Mm-hmm. Well... His only um, <laughs> his own only natural born airbending son. Yes. Uh yes, and then Tenzin has his siblings, uh Bumi. Bumi and Kaya. Kaya. And yeah, Kaya's a really cool and sassy waterbender. And Bumi was a non bender. And he was just sort of a military guy. But he became an airbender when that thing happened. Yeah. And they're great, and you can see so much of Aang and Katara in them. And a little bit of Sokka too in Bumi. A little bit of Sokka, yes, absolutely. <laughs> he he takes after his uncle a lot. Uh, but, you know, I mean, Aang is a very silly, fun-loving boy, just a really wild and free spirit, and so... And But each of the kids got a different side of him. Right, well, and of Katara as well. Yeah. Because, like, um, I'd say Tenzin resembles Katara more than Aang. More than what we've seen of Aang. Because he talks about right. having... All of the pressure of from his father to bring back the Earth the nation, air, or the Air, air nation. nation. Yeah, yeah. And it, we we see we see very little of what Aang was like as an adult. Yeah, there's uh, just flashbacks. But and he's kind of tough and mean. Yeah, bit. it's hard would, to be the Avatar. Yeah, he really grew into an Avatar, and what we especially see when he's to... dealing with like gang leaders. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Inten- I see. I see uh, Intenzin Katara's sort of like fussiness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's very fussy, and he's he is- very controlling of of uh, Korra. Yes, and it's because you know he knows and he's seen the challenges of being an Avatar, mm-hmm. and he's like, I am so scared for this girl because I know how hard it is, and I saw what my father went through, and this girl needs to be ready. Because I'm responsible for her. Yeah. And also, like, in this new age, she has to be a political figure. Right. That was something that Aang barely had to deal with. It was more of sort of a person-by-person relationship and, you know, sort of like a a distant figure. Yeah. But now we've got mass communication. Yeah. Radio. Uh-huh. She can make statements. Yeah. That's a new thing. Uh and there is a lot more politics and complicated politics in this one. And it's so frustrating for her. I know. She's not that kind of person. No, she's gonna... She's... the She's a lot more like Toph than any of the other main characters from the original series. She's mm-hmm. tough. Yeah, she's she just... She's more of a, a doer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Less planning. Yeah, not as much of a thinker. No. <laughs> Which is funny because she's a waterbender. 
Right. She doesn't really. No, she's a she's a fire and earth bending waterbender, and that shows a lot of her personality yes it really really does but you know the southern water tribe is a really different place yeah so um the southern water tribe is as big as the northern water tribe was in the original series mm-hmm. by this time it's been rebuilt um yeah it's no longer you know just a back the six water, people it was before yeah, village. because the fire nation destroyed it, most of it um yeah, it's grown substantially, um, and we have people like Varric coming out of the Southern Water Tribe Yes, now. Uh, venture capitalist. Industrialist. Um, industrialist. War criminal. War criminal. Yeah. Um, he, he's great. Charmer. Yeah, he's awesome. He's a bit of a... He's like if Howard Hughes wasn't insane, is what... <laughs> I mean, Varric is still insane. Not in the Howard Hughes way. <laughs> Not in the pissing in jars way. Uh... <laughs> But yeah, he's he's very charismatic, but kind of a kind of an idiot. Yes. But also a genius. He's yes. such an interesting character. He's great at inventing. Yes. That's it. That's it. That's it. And he, he's he, so eccentric. He's like the first time they meet him, I believe he's doing a spiritualism sort of thing. Yes, he is. He is. <laughs> he's like trying to scam levitate people. he's trying to levitate, levitate yeah and he's not levitating he's saying is and they're all like oh <laughs> yes it's marco's really... like no you're not <laughs> or maybe bolin one of them yeah i think it was bolin yeah but uh no, Varric is great because he starts out and it's like he's like an amusing nuisance mm-hmm. in the beginning where you're like this fucking guy and then he goes back and forth between helping the team and double crossing them uh-huh but then he gets a conscience eventually eventually he gets a conscience Mm -hmm. and it's great to see him be like oh shit i gotta help people (laughs) and it's really nice to see him end up there because he's a very likable character Mm -hmm. um but when it's just like ah fucking varick why you gotta do this shit like it's it's but you can also if you think about it hard enough you can sort of see especially so he's he comes in in season two when there's civil war brewing in the southern water tribe yes he's from the southern water tribe and so he's involved whether he whether he likes it or not likes it or not and he likes it yes <laughs> because he is a you know he, he's he a war stands, yeah exactly so he builds a warship he um t- destroys the southern water tribe community center which later on he says he it owned. was my building to destroy <laughs> i have I, a I man can... has a right to blow up his own building it's great. He's such a fun character. Um. So yeah, he he's a highlight once you get to season two, and I think season two is probably the most confusing season. But there are so many really strong things about it. Yeah. Like, don't love the villain. Yeah. Just because he sucks. He's just the least compelling. Yeah, of just, all of the villains. He just sucks. Yeah. Um. But his kids rock. Oh yes. His kids rock. Desna and Eska, twins. They're super cool and spooky. Super cool and spooky. Um, Varric is Uh introduced then, and he's incredible. We also learn about the first Avatar, Juan. Yes, Juan. I love that episode. It's so fascinating and so beautiful. Mm -hmm. It really fills out this world in a very cool way. And then the finale gets a little out of hand, but it just makes it so the rest of the series is really out of hand. Right. I mean, it just, it's so 
cool how they, the show they were unafraid to just change everything mm-hmm. they were like guess what the world is different now and we're still going this isn't the end yeah you change the world and then you have to live in it yeah and you also have to make decisions whether you're going to change it or not uh-huh. Cora has to make really big decisions for everyone mm-hmm it's it's a and really so ungrateful and, you know because i know you were saying you felt like that would that felt like a a, a a grand finale but i like that it's not because i like having to deal with the aftermath that's yeah. that's the interesting story it makes the rest of the series so different and interesting that it's like yeah now the spirit world and the human world are connected again and there are spirits here now What's that like? Mm-hmm. And what are the repercussions in this modern world for bringing the spirits back? Like, that's crazy. Yeah. And it's not just like, well, we'll show it in a montage. Like, no, people live here still. Yeah. And and Cora has to take on the repercussions mm-hmm. of that choice. And, okay, yes. So should we start at... <laughs> season one because i feel like we skipped it and then we're going well to yeah i'm kind of just talking about it all overall swaps. but it's also because it was so long ago that yeah, we watched okay. the first couple seasons so that let's we can circle back to season one if we need to but yeah basically there's been non-bender rights activists yes <laughs> which yeah. is not necessarily a bad thing but right it becomes bad it becomes bad and that's yeah and that's one of the things and i feel like as the series went on fascinating villain really great season but I feel like it might it it falls into the like well you know that fixed like it feels like they they throw the ideology out with the bathwater a yeah. little bit where it's <laughs> like they don't even talk about that idea again and yeah. it's like they had some great points that benders have privileges yeah. that non benders don't yeah and especially in like an industrial world like the the disparity is getting wider yeah and then it's like but he's a psycho so. We're not going to talk about that anymore. <laughs> like, come on, guys. That that was important. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, they were terrorists. But terrorists become terrorists because of something important, you yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's not made in a vacuum. But he was also a hypocrite. Yes. He was a hypocrite. He was exposed. Right. And again, ideology with the bathwater. It's yeah. like, just because Amon was bad doesn't mean... That that movement didn't make a point. Yeah. Um, but she, anyway, she uh, connects the spirit world to the regular world. Yeah, so that's after season two, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, season two, Unalak is trying to become the dark avatar. Because um, we learn about Juan and um, Rava and uh, what's the bad? Una- uh, oof. Vatu. Vatu. And Vatu, they're the spirits of like... Light and dark. Light and dark. It, it's kind of Zoroastrian. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, a, per, a human merging with the spirit Rava created the Avatar. Mm-hmm. And so Unalak's like, I'll do it with... Vatu. Vatu and be a dark side Sith <laughs> Avatar. <laughs> and in order to overcome him... Because of reasons, Cora had to... Believe in herself. Believe in herself. 
um, she lost her connection to Rava mm-hmm. and all of the previous avatars. Yeah, so she can't rely on their wisdom anymore. And she opens up the gate to the spirit world and reconnects the spirit world and the human world. And After it's... defeating giant kaiju Unavatu. Yeah, that was... I hate they call it Unavatu. It's so stupid. <laughs> That's dumb. It's fucking portmanteaus. <laughs> Uh, I can't, but, but it's just really wild and you're like, what? And there's lasers. Yeah, it's, um, and so then in the third season, um, spirits are living everywhere and a consequence of that is airbenders start popping up. People just develop airbending powers and some of them are like, sweet. And some of them are like. And one of them is like, I'm going to go kill the Avatar. <laughs> yes. Um, Zaheer, he's the leader of the Red Lotus. And they basically are anarchists. They're anarchists. He's got a team of superbenders. Um, and and they, they're so cool. They're so cool. Okay, we got to list them off. So Zaheer, originally just a non-bender, but like the scariest one ever. He's, but he's also so cool because he's 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 very quiet and he's very controlled and he's very thoughtful he's not a maniac and a total airbending air nomad nerd he's a total total fanboy um but he's like he's not crazy no he's very he's uh, very smart and he's it's like he's scary because he's so powerful but it's but not he's not like He's so principled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's hard to describe. He's scary it. because he's after the main character. Right. Right. <laughs> but he's like, he's he's very principled and he's very strong and he's he's very And he's horrible. definitely, he's definitely of the villains is the one where you're like, I think he has maybe the most point. Like, Right. He's like, hey, it's fucked up that there's this, it's again, it's a power disparity thing of like, kings can eat it. And the Avatar is the most powerful person in the world, and no one should be in that position to just, like, tell everybody what to do because yeah. they just arbitrarily were born that way. Yeah. Uh, and it was like, well, fair enough. And that's why he was the most frightening, mm-hmm. I think, to Korra, is because he was like, hey, you are unethical <laughs> as a being. And she's like, oh, no! <laughs> And she's like, I'm going to punch you. And he's like, don't. That's stupid. You're a stupid (laughs) child. Uh, And yeah, he's really, really cool. Yeah, and he gets airbending, which he airbends very differently from any other airbender we've ever seen. Because he uses his prior non-bending martial arts Mm -hmm. mixed with airbending. It's it's, very interesting. It's jumpy, flippy. Um, It's very much like, it's more aggressive. Mm -hmm. Whereas mostly airbending is for defense. He's got a very brutal form of airbending. Um, And then he's got his his team, his His, super group. His his anti-avatar team avatar. Yeah, he's got an earthbender, um, Gazan. Uh, He's so chill. (laughs) Yeah, it's cool to see a chill earthbender. Yeah. You know, you see a lot of aggression and like, just like stubbornness Mm -hmm. in earthbenders. What's Um, special about Gazan? Uh, tell me what's special about Gazan. He's a lava bender. He's a lava bender. That's right. He's a lava bender. 
Um, and that's a new thing that we see this time around. Yeah, so when we first see him, he's on a wooden prison boat mm-hmm. with nothing but wood. Yes. Um, and Zaheer brings a couple of pebbles to him. And, that's and he turns he it into a lava saw. That's all he needs. That's all he needs. Um, and then we've got fucking even cooler is the waterbender Minghua. Minghua has no arms. Uh-huh. So she uses water for arms. And she it uses water rules. for arms. And, and we've, we've seen other people use sort of like an arm whip. Yes. With whip, but that's all she do. Yeah. <laughs> she she f- swings around on water arms like a barrel of monkeys. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes she has eight water arms. It's really, really cool. She's very scary. Yes. And then the last person is... What is her name? Uh, Pi... Starts with P, uh, I think. Uh, I, I don't remember how it's said, and the spelling Joking. doesn't make any... P apostrophe L-I. How in Sorry. the world do you pronounce that? Plea. Plea? Plea. Plea? Okay, I don't remember them ever saying it. it but... Only in their, like, heart-to-heart before she dies. Oh. <laughs> Does he ever say it? Um, and she is Zaheer's lover. She's Zaheer's lover. She's, she's a, a giant. She's a thousand feet tall. She's and, gorgeous. And she's a combustion bender. She's a combustion bender, like Combustion Man in uh-huh. uh, The Last Airbender. Yes. Um, but she has it, like, it's still an advanced form of bending, but hers is even more advanced than his. She can, like, curve the bullet wanted she can, style. Yeah, she's super, she's very precise. Mm-hmm. And also, tall, armored, hot as fuck. <laughs> She's so cool. And her death is the... <laughs> there are really brutal villain deaths in this show. Right. Um, Amon and his brother. Oh, God, yes. That's just like, <laughs> whoa. They would never in Last Airbender. Um, yeah, what happens, it, uh, it's just this awful fight. And, you know, they're, the, our heroes are, you know, on their heels. They're trying to save Korra from being like giving herself up yes and our metal benders are fighting her plea and they trick her oh my god it's the best so um two sisters we're sisters sisters (laughs) metal bending sisters Toph's daughters Uh uh-huh and they've reconciled recently and Uh it's so good and um um, Lynn goes out to distract Plea. Mm-hmm. And then Sue, at the moment that Plea is gonna charge, sh- charge her, her beam, she wraps... Metal bends her chest armor... Onto Plea's head, head, and, and then... she blows her own head up. It's so fucking wild. <laughs> I can't. I, it happened, and I was just like... <gasps> and <laughs> I feel like... Um, they had to be so careful with that because we don't see, we don't see it happen. We see it l- like... We hear, we see like a flash. We see and a flash we see, and like, then people... it cuts away to Zaheer. Yes. But we don't hear an explosion. Yeah. Which I remember watching Your it brain originally. brain puts it in. My brain put it in because it's not in there because that would... But we do see smoke. Uh-huh. And Zaheer feels it immediately because oh, his yeah. lover... And you know. You know. <laughs> you know what happened. It was crazy. It was crazy. crazy. But yeah, Zaheer and his team are basically trying to un-Avatar the Avatar. Because if they just kill her, she'll just be reincarnated. Yeah. And so they need to stop that altogether. They want to remove the Avatar from the world. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, with Plea's death, <laughs> Zaheer loses the one thing 
grounding him. Yeah. His, his earthly tether. Yeah. Um, so he, he lets go and become flying. winged. Yeah. He just... He can fly. He can fly now. No one else can, but he can. Uh, so that's fun. Anyway, we, <laughs> we beat him, though. Um, yeah, with airbender tornado power. It's great. And the way that um, Varric tells that story in the last season is so funny. <laughs> right, because... <laughs> He's putting Bolin in every situation. Uh-huh. Um, and then the final season. So Korra is uh, traumatized. And, um, and injured. Yes. Physically weakened. And she has to go through a lot of physical therapy with Katara mm-hmm. in order to To learn to how to walk again. Yeah. And she has to... She has to uh, train with Toph for a while. To get the last bit of poison out of her body and also overcome her demons yeah her mental block um meanwhile fascism is on the rise (laughs) uh kuvira who was very helpful in uh sort of the last bit of season three even though she's not she's very she's she's in very little yeah but she's sort of a an adoptive daughter to sue and she becomes a fascist dictator yeah she's like hey sue you need to step in to this this earth- power vacuum because zahir killed the earth queen earth- in the most brutal way these deaths <laughs> and they can't they're not even allowed to I say know, kill like, they, they took out the earth queen they took her out <laughs> he murdered her actually he sucked the air from her lungs yeah it was really freaky they can show it happening but they can't say what it is okay nickelodeon fine um but yes she sort of steps in and she's like i'm gonna go around and sort of like unite the earth kingdom and you know make sure everything's good and chill yeah kind of create some stability meanwhile she's basically anybody who's disagreeing with her she's putting in camps yeah she's putting people in camps and she's basically making people swear allegiance to her Mm -hmm. and she is becoming the great uniter Yes, the great uniter and uh, and Bowen's like, hey, this is great. This I'm is having great. a great time. Oh, I love it. I've got the way my you're little helping, fascism haircut. You're helping all these people with your fascism. I love it. Varric's there. He's like, hey, let's do a train. Let's do a train. I love a train. Uh, and he's working on some project for Kuvira, and he's like, whoa, this is too fucking dangerous. And she's like, no, it isn't. Keep doing it. He's like, okay. Yeah. If 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 something's <laughs> If Varric thinks it's dangerous and unethical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that guy's crazy. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool, though, because, like, basically that season, a lot of it is, like, Korra's gone. And she, she's sort of gone off on her spirit journey. She's mm-hmm. she's trying to figure out what to do about herself. And so mm-hmm. everyone's like, where the fuck is Korra? And they're trying to deal with all this shit without her. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, maybe Amon had a point that they're too reliant on her. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, in the end, she does save the day. So, you know. With the help of her friends. With the help of her friends. But, you know, it's just like, well, it's just a sure good thing that the Avatar is a good person. Because <laughs> uh, things could get real bad. And then she changes things even more. Well, it's not her fault, but. Uh, who are you referring to? Um, so Kuvira has a giant spirit laser Mm -hmm. that is unethical and basically nuclear weaponry. It is kind of a nuke. Um, and she's like, in order, in the last ditch effort to beat Korra, she shoots it, but it's like tied up in all the vines so it won't turn off. Right. 
and it's just too powerful and she can't shut it off it won't stop and then she falls and it's about to hit her and then Korra bends it uh-huh and it opens up a new spirit portal a new one a third one right in the middle of republic city <laughs> yeah um so and so that's what that season is about is this fascism mm-hmm. um and it's great i love it your fave is antifa um and <laughs> an antifa bisexual yes <laughs> she's super cool there's hand holding hand holding vacation gaycation yep they're taking a gaycation to the spirit world it's great maybe they're gonna go have brunch with iroh oh yes yes <laughs> Uh, it's it's awesome um but and you know again i say this it is it is a children's series so it is unsurprising and and not necessarily a problem that they did ultimately sort of treat the solutions to these big problems a little shallow yeah Mm -hmm. it's good that they came up but it you know it's like it's so easy in the first series to be like, and this guy is a scary dictator and we're gonna take his power yeah. away and now we're there's a good guy. But so, with the Mon, it's like, ta-da. he has followers. He has the people on his side. He's kidnapping presidents. He's like yeah. doing and it all. Then, He's taking bending away from people. And then just getting rid of him, it's like, well, I guess the ideology's dead and worthless <laughs> and nobody else is fighting for it anymore. Right? Like, where'd they all go? Yeah, mm-hmm. Where'd they all go? And, 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 yeah, it just seems, you know, like Zaheer, his group was very, very small. And they all got out. So, like, okay, that's fine. He didn't necessarily have, like, a whole fucking yeah. faction. He didn't have a whole political movement. But Amon did. So did um her uncle. Unalak. Unalak. Yeah. But he was and also lying do, to them and he and they do kind of address because it's like well that was a civil war yeah and so it's like well you know they took power back and things and i'm you know it's sort of implied and that his it kids is. he he his children realized that he was a monster and uh-huh. then they inherit his yes and so you know civ- civil wars happen and i think that it is kind of implied that they're it's still kind of shaky and that yeah. they have to like figure this out down there and that it's you know not just like well that's done it does help though that the southern water tribes chief his niece and nephew are the northern water tribe co-chiefs yes (laughs) um so that one is a little bit more believable as far as the way it sort of all settles yeah but they also don't go into it too much because you're like she beat the big monster Right, and, you know, the world is such a different place that there's now something more important to talk about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yes, yeah, so like, like I said, with Zaheer, it's like, all right, yeah. He ha- he was like, this was like a very small faction, and so it makes sense that that would sort of dissipate at, once Zaheer's gone, because mm-hmm. it was really all about Zaheer. Um, and, you know, we'll see. I suppose we don't really get to see the aftermath of uh kavira's whole fascism yeah we'll have to get into the comics and to see, what, see happens. what happens but, there but um, it is really the first season that i just feel the most sort of discomfort with the way that they just sort of like and then it ended <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting also because ang had such a hard time ending someone's life and he ultimately doesn't 
Mm-hmm. At least not <laughs> the fire lords. Like, yes. We'll <laughs> maybe see. some we henchmen. Don't, we don't know what happens <laughs> after that. Yeah. Or when he grows up. Yeah. But, um, but Korra doesn't kill Amon uh-huh. or his brother. Right. Amon kills them both. Mm-hmm. Or his brother kills them both. I think. Oh, yeah. No, it's his brother. Yeah. Um, I forget his name. Um, and then we don't know exactly what happens with Unalak. He, he just gets kinda... defeated and purified, but does he, did he survive? I don't think they, sh- they tell us. Yeah, I kind of just figured, and it, again, it's been a bit, so I don't fully recall how it shook out, but I just sort of thought he got like, you know, like yeah, he spirit just sort of dis- energy just sort of like got rid of him that's what i but they don't like, explain it right but but basically he's dead he's gone um and then zaheer she is incapable of killing him because she's so wounded mm-hmm. um so he is locked up and then by the time we get to kubira who is just fucking yeah she's, hitler yeah she's <laughs> Yeah, without the genocide. Yes, but if those buildings that she shot down with her big laser gun yes, had been filled, it would have been genocide. Yes. Um, she spares her and is like, yeah, th- th- you're a lot like me in some ways. Yeah, and you know, she's now a political prisoner and a, yeah. you know, a war criminal, so she'll get taken care of in the correct... Yeah, but it's just like how she has sort of learned... Right. You know. She, she, she's learned the kind of mercy and temperance that an avatar has to learn. Yeah. Because, um, you know, many avatars have murdered people. Like, when Aang is chatting with his past avatars and he talks to, um, Ky- Avatar Kyoshi, she's like, he, he's like, hey, Chin the Conqueror, who you were stop, trying to stop, he fell to his death. And she's like... Yeah, he fell to his ass, but I would have murdered his ass, murdered his ass if I could. Yeah, because it's not murder; it's you know, it's justice. Yeah, um, just so you know, um, Wikipedia is claiming that Unlock was killed. So okay, but it was like in the sort of purifying of yeah, it was. It just he, Unavatu was purified by giant Korra. Yes, and it just you know his human body couldn't yeah it survive that yeah. Uh, but it's, I mean, it's a great series, and I, and I really enjoyed it a lot, and, you know, I, I think, I think that overall, um, Avatar The Last Airbender is a better series, but I think that Avatar The Last Airbender is the best series. Yeah. Of everything. Yeah. Like, it it is, it is... Incomparable. Yeah, I mean, as far as, like, Western-made animated series for children absolutely the best mm-hmm. um but legend of Korra really does hold up it does live up to it yeah uh, very 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 good um and gets into some interesting stuff that that the last airbender just couldn't yeah and uh, it's got teens teens and it gets a little angsty a little angsty a little romantic a little romantic and then none of it works out yeah, we just get a little a little hint of gay at the end. A little hint of gay. But you know what? It's nice. Oh, no, we do have a wedding at the we end. We have a wedding because Varric becomes a better person and finally earns the love of Julie. His assistant. His, his long-suffering assistant. They're so fucking cute together. They're so funny, too. They're so funny. They're adorable. I love them. I'm so happy for them. I just them. really want to watch like a Varric supercut now. <laughs> He's awesome. 
All right. Any last thoughts about Legend of Korra? People were really rude to this series. They were. They were like, "This is nothing." I'm like, "It's a different show, and it's good. It's really good." Yeah, Um, people just gotta have their fave, and they gotta fucking fight about it. They do, and the show is very sort of like stopping shippers at every intersection. It's so funny. (laughs) It really is funny. Uh, But I mean, the creators were like. They went through hell with shippers in the first series. Yeah. That's what happens when you put in a Zuko. I know. and Right? <laughs> and then they're like, what if we have the waterbender and the firebender get together in this one? And everybody's like, no! Yuck! <laughs> Not a vibe! Not a vibe! Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's not a vibe. I'm not, I'm not about that vibe. And they're like, see, we told you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. No, never Mako. Never Mako. Mako can do his own thing. He can go and and hang out with Prince Wu. Yeah, they'll they'll have a lot of fun. (laughs) All right, well, um, do you have any recommendations? I don't. You're not even going to try? I I mean, what did I watch without you? I don't know. I haven't finished anything without you yet. You've been playing a video game? Yeah, I've been playing lots of video games. I'm on vacation. I'm just saying, do you feel like telling anyone that they're fun and good? I mean, okay. <laughs> I I would not necessarily recommend it. But I am playing Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning. It's the, it's the remastered version of Kingdoms of Amalur, mm-hmm. which is a, um, a sort of action RPG. It's got some great stuff. I don't think that this remaster is worth the full price tag. Mm. Um, from what I hear from people that played the original, it's just the original with a new sh- new coat of paint, mm-hmm. that's and some bug fixes, which I don't think is worth sixty dollars. I think yeah. it was on sale on Amazon for like thirty for the physical copy. I didn't want to wait for a physical copy, so I paid full price for the digital copy. Um, so it's may- might be just me, but I'm enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Clearly, there's a shit a ton of game. There's so much game in this game. All right, but you know. If if you played the first played it originally, you probably don't need to buy this one. Right, but Unless for for like... new entrants, it might be. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, I really want to recommend the new folding ideas video in search of a flat Earth. Um, it's a great. It's like it's like over an hour long, so it's really like a documentary. Um, and it is it starts out in a place of sort of like this is how flat Earth do. Um, but it, it ends up being more about how people, why people get into conspiracy theories and Mm -hmm. like what that impulse is and where that comes from. So it's not necessarily about flat earthers in particular or about flat earth beliefs specifically. It's more sort of synecdoche Mm -hmm. for the whole like flat earth thing and about how, you know, a lot of flat earth people ended up jumping onto QAnon instead and the way that, you know, why it is that someone would, because it's like, well, why would you believe that the earth is flat? What does that have to do with QAnon? And Mm -hmm. it's because it's not really about the flat earth or about QAnon. It's about believing in conspiracy theories. And it's very, very, very interesting. Um, And he's great. Um, Dan Olson makes really, really good videos. So check him out. That does it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Anchor.fm, and elsewhere. 
please rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen so more nerds can find us. We appreciate it, and it really makes a difference. Please send us chaotic and pure memes on Twitter. All at kinds. Lit Merit Pod. We also post updates and news. We should have. We should have alerted would, you that we would be on a hiatus. But we barely knew. <laughs> we barely noticed. <laughs> and you barely noticed probably too. Yep. That's the relationship we have. And thanks to Jonathan Colton for the use of our theme song, Fraud, from his album, Artificial Heart. Until next time, remember, I'm, I'm the, the avatar, avatar and you, you gotta, gotta deal, deal with, with it! it. <laughs>